Hi, welcome to this Property Live podcast. My name is Mark Winship. I'm a property investor, coach, and mentor. This week is another revisited episode in which we're heading right back to have another listen to episode eight of the podcast, in which I talk to Alex and Blair Colley. I've received quite a few questions recently from students and other investors about the rent to buy strategy, so it felt like the right time to listen back to this inspirational father and son duo that are making real waves in this space. Let's hear again from Alex and Blair Colley. Alex, Blair, welcome to the podcast. How are you both? We're good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yes, I'm really excited to have a, a father and son partnership on the podcast. And um, yeah, I'm itching to find out how that came about and how it's working out for you guys. But um, before we do that, uh, I wonder if I can start you right at the very beginning of your kind of property journey and, uh, and, and start with you, Alex, and, and find out why did you decide to start investing in property? I, I was oil and gas for a very long time, man and boy, since I was 17. And as a contractor, you made your own provisions for everything, including your pension. And it was something that I saw was a potential to be a pension pot. And that was what drove me to buy the very first investment property. So I wasn't trained. I just went and bought a, a property as, a, as Joe Public, if you will. And the learning started from there. Right. And what about yourself, Blair? What, what made you decide to come on board and start working with dad on the property side? Uh, well, I hadn't originally intended to. I actually intended to be a joiner, but due to uh, circumstances out of my hands, I that fell through. So dad was already doing the refurbs of houses by that point, And I was obviously involved with them going on their floors and helping out in the bits that just needed a bit more than one pair of hands. And I started to enjoy that a bit more. And then he started to tell me, look, look, you want to learn about numbers, I can need to teach you. And I started to learn about them. I started to enjoy how things worked out and how we could make money off of this. And then I realized, hang on, I could come into this kind of more full time and I'm enjoying it to the point where I want to do this the rest of my life rather than a nine to five. So what you're saying is you're the brains in the operation. Is that right? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I, I run the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So tell me about your first property deal. Uh, it was nothing fancy at all. It was, a, say, it was an off, straight off the normal market, two-bedroom flat uh, in St. Haven, which was the nearest town to where we were at the time. And it had been sitting, so I did a little bit of negotiation and got 10 grand off the asking price, but it was just a regular two-bed flat. Nothing, nothing exciting and very, very little to do to, by way of refurb to, to put it on to, to be a rental. And do you still own that property now? Yes, we do. Okay. Excellent. And what was it when you were first starting out? I think one of the things that um, that first deal is like the biggest hurdle that a lot of people need to cross. So what was it that gave you the confidence early on when you were first starting out to take that plunge and, and, and invest in your first, per, first property? Well, see, I was looking at it not so much as property investment and certainly not property investment to be a career, but it was to be a pension plan by way of you know passive income in the days to come not so much in the immediate term but looking forward to whatever point in time i was then thinking of leaving oil and gas as a career to to retire you know that's how far forward i was looking that this would would be something of a pension plan but never at that time thought that it would be an accelerated process and i would actually become a property investor so what was it what was the impetus for you to start investing 
more seriously then, if you like, and, and actually start running a property business? It was when I realized that for the third time in, in my oil and gas career, we were, you know, we were hitting another fall. You know, the prices were falling, they were laying folk off. And I thought it was time for me to be in control uh, of my destiny rather than at the hands of somebody else. And realizing what we'd done with that first property, that if we went and carried on doing this, it, it could be possible if you did it properly and go and find out a little bit more and learn and, and take it on to, to become my full-time, if you will, employee in inverted commas. So you, you invested in your education, did you, at that point? What, what role would you say that's played in your journey? Oh, without any shadow of a doubt, if I hadn't, I wouldn't be sitting here speaking to you today. Okay. It's, it's as simple as that because regardless of what I thought I knew, and I, I, yeah, I understood the mortgages and all the rest of it, but I bought that one and I was completely stuck as to how to move forward because I didn't have another pot of money to go and get another mortgage. It was a case of I'd probably only have maybe one more since then if I hadn't gone and become educated to understand how to leverage, you know, how to make best use of time, other people's money and knowledge and a network. So education was absolutely everything in allowing me to progress. Okay, so tell us about how things have moved on since then. What, what are you working on at the moment? What, what's been your kind of property journey to date? Well, what we're working on at the moment right now, our biggest strategy has become, and it's something that's really only start, well, has started this year since lockdown, if you will, uh, rent to buy. So as a strategy, that's now our, our biggest single uh, thing we're working on. Property right now, we are in the middle of two refurbs, one for a JV partner and one that's going to be a flip for ourselves. The JV partner is going to become a rent-to-buy property. Uh, and we just have placed a new rent-to-buy tenant buyer into one of our, what was previously buy-to-let properties, a two-bed flat in Edinburgh. So we've got lots on the go. And today, I was just, I'm just back from being in Creef uh, at a viewing or for another potential reposition purchase. Excellent. So for those of our listeners that aren't familiar with rent to buy as a strategy, how, how would you describe it? How does, how does that work? It's a hybrid of a buy to let initially, whereby you just rent it to somebody, uh, but on top of what they would pay for a rent, they pay a top up amount, which we then hold in a client funds account to help them save. Everything, all the prices are pre-agreed, and in anywhere between seven and 10 years, depending upon where they want to structure it, they'll end up buying that property from us with the, the, the savings pot that we've helped them build up will become the deposit for their mortgage at the end of seven years. And they can become a homeowner. So it's a strategy that lets somebody who wouldn't pass a mortgage score today to be able to go and get a mortgage actually become a homeowner. We help teach them how to improve their credit score. We help them save. And at the end of the day, we get them on the property ladder to become homeowners. Okay, sounds really interesting. So how did you end up sort of fixing on that as your main strategy? That was a kind of just by chance. We had an empty property of our own that had been serviced accommodation, but it was underperforming pre-COVID. And my plan was that we would just turn it back to being a traditional buy-to-let. And then when we started to learn about the strategy, we realized that, it was probably the perfect property to, to test the water with, to see what would be the appetite for others to, to be able to get a home. But right now, you know, they had all these barriers in place. Now, it can be a number of reasons why somebody can't get a mortgage. 
They can be self-employed, but they haven't got two years worth of books. They could be not long enough in the country, simply don't have a good enough credit score. They could have had a CCJ from years gone by. You know, so any number of reasons that a mortgage company today says, no, we're not going to give you a mortgage, and therefore yeah. they're, they're trapped, they feel. And they are really trapped in, in the renting world. And this is a way to help them get out of that trap and ultimately become homeowners. And they, can, they have the pride that this is their home. It's not just somewhere else they're renting. So yeah. it helps us. We're giving back. It's a very good strategy for us financially as well. So it's not like it's, we're giving it all away. It, it's a win-win. Uh, and it's great to be able to help uh, help other folk, you know, make start in life that way. Yeah, that's great. I think property investment is quite often seen, certainly from the outside, as quite a sort of single-minded enterprise. But it's it's amazing how many opportunities there are to to genuinely help people. And it sounds like that strategy is doing exactly that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're right in that. You know, we're quite often, I feel, unfairly labelled as. Uh, you know, the fat cats, we're not fat cats, we're just father and son trying to make an honest living. Yeah. But if we can if we can do that and we can help somebody at the same time, what's not to like? Uh, and what better way than to, to give a family a home? Absolutely. So what would you say has been your best deal to date? Financially, uh, best deal to date would be a, a flip that I did a couple of years ago now. And that was not that long after I'd finished the big chunk of training I did first. Back to the training, uh, without that training, I would have never taken on that deal because it was, you would have said, almost a step too far for where I was. It was certainly a big step okay. up. Yeah. Uh, financially, it was a much bigger, you know, take to, to go and do it. But having run my numbers, having the confidence in what I'd been taught to, to what it meant, it, uh, it worked out very well for us. And again, we took an old and tired property and turned it into uh, a brand new home. Fantastic. You know, it was the same, same outside shell, but it was completely brand new inside. And yeah, a, a young family got another home. Any challenges that you faced in that particular project? Any curveballs oh, along the way? They usually there's always, are. There's always challenges. <laughs> and I guess no, nobody speaks about the challenges because what you see typically trans, you know, from everybody is, how great it is, and here's the end result, and here's the shiny pictures. Yeah. Uh, for sure, on that job, what did we have? I guess the biggest one there was the amount of waste we created. Uh, okay. From from the rip out, it, I underestimated that that how much stuff we then had to dispose of. So skip uh, higher and logistics on that side. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, because we did absolutely everything to that place, and we replaced nine, nine windows and three doors so they alone you know ate up a huge amount of the skip space uh, as well as we took down a wall we we ripped out the old-fashioned stone fireplace and various other things so yeah waste i think would have been the one biggest single thing that i miscalculated there yeah that's a really good point we did a big project recently that um on a property that had no no parking and no driveway and um, the the prospect of uh, drop and go skip hire, you know, would have added thousands, maybe even tens of thousands, to the cost of the project. Luckily, we were able to engage a very uh, a, a very helpful and friendly neighbour who allowed us use of his drive for a skip. But you know, it made a huge difference. 
Well, at least in that job, I, I was uh, able to, obviously, we had a driveway there, but yeah, you're right. If we'd had to do on street or, or drop and go, it would have, yeah, it could have probably crippled the job. But, but yeah, so that, that was a big learning that came out from me uh, on that one. So have you done any deals that, that, that were not successful or is there, are you able to reflect on kind of the, the biggest mistake that you've made so far in your property journey? Biggest mistake would probably be the first property I bought, bizarrely enough, just after I started my education. So it was almost a case of, I'd done my first course, right? By the time you, you go to the next one, see what you can have achieved. So yeah, I went hammer and tongs and, and bought a place. Now, financially, what I bought it for was okay, but it's the fact that what I missed was my analysis of the area. And... The rent I was getting at the time, because I was actually a sitting tenant when I bought it, the rent was good, but the area has been the challenge to re-let it when, when we get changeover. Okay. And it's been a constant challenge with that one. And right now, we've well, again, it's all learning. We're in the process of uh, going through the eviction system, which right now, because of COVID, is doubled and more, as I'm sure you're aware. Yeah. Uh, but when we eventually get that tenant out for non-payment of rent, then we're going to sell that property. Uh, and if I get, even if I just get back for it, what I paid for it, I'll be delighted. So okay. it's it truly is understand everything, not just about the property, but about the area. Yeah. To know what, what you're taking on as a business. Yeah, no, that's a really good message. Really important. Um, how has COVID affected you guys? We've been very lucky in that. Whilst, like everybody, we were, you know, the first part of COVID was, was a full-blown lockdown. We adapted the business. The rent-to-buy was, was a whole new thing that started just really on the start of COVID. And we did all the marketing online. We managed to then have a completely social distanced viewing, whereby we just basically opened the door and let somebody in. We never, yeah. you know, gone are the days of shaking hands and speaking to people. Yeah. But we, we simply let them in. Uh, and we've continued to to focus on on sharing that message really via social media, which for me is new, but for Blair's generation, that's part of his remit. Now he looks after most of the social media that we do, and it's enabled us to keep going. Uh, I guess if we had been doing a more traditional style model, then it would have really stopped us in our tracks. But we were the other thing that fell in our favour was that we had. This uh, property we had just completed on just before everything stopped. Okay. So that gave us, as a family unit, if you will, that we could actually go there. We couldn't get tradesmen, so I said, right, we might as well do something constructive. So let's actually go back hands-on, and at least we can progress the job rather than completely stop and, and wait. And then had no idea when we get manpower or materials. We could we can go and do everything we can do ourselves finish the rip out and then as soon as we could get some materials started to put it back together uh, okay. before we then got the trades to come back and carry on with their, their work. Right. So how, how are you guys finding working together? I mean, you're probably best placed of anybody to comment on the role of family and supporting you on your pro- property journey. How has, how did that come about and how's that working out? Well, I mean, from when I started, obviously Blair's, my only son, only child. And, you know, so 
when right back at the beginning of my education, we would ask the question, what is your why? Yeah. And, you know, he's my biggest part of my why. So that was for me to leave a legacy in the, the beginning. But as he became more interested in it, uh, right, if you want to learn, the offer's there. But it's, I've never been a case of that, you know, right, you need to come and do this. I've seen too many father and son, you know, parent and child combinations go wrong because there's, that, there's no choice involved that you shall. Uh, and I was delighted when he said he wanted to learn more. There's no doubt that the dynamics of father and son uh, make it interesting from time to time. I think that would be the politest way to put it. Uh, and we have our moments, like any father and son, and we yeah. have our moments in business, but the, the boundaries are set that we have to respect each other's opinions and we have to carry on and work together. So there'll still be those few short, sharp words, and then we just move on. Yeah. Uh, and that way we make sure that the business is being done, the relationship stays intact, and at the end of the day, and it's obviously not very often, especially not now, but it, you, you still actually are left in a mind frame where you want to go for a pint, and the answer is yes. Yeah. So, and that's really important that outside of business we stay father and son, but inside in business, we have to be business partners. So, yeah, uh, and I've said to Blair when he's talking to suppliers, you know, don't say, well, you spoke to dad earlier, you spoke to Alec earlier. Yeah. Uh, and because, you know, he's in business with me, I'm in business with him. It's not, it's not, well, you spoke to my dad or wait a minute, I'll need to get my dad's permission. It's not, you know, I've, you know, if he's been given a job to do, go and do it and talk to suppliers and he's an equal with me in that part. So. And have you enjoyed that side of it, Blair? Is it, I, I'd imagine it's been quite a steep learning curve. Yeah, it has been. It's given me a lot of responsibility. I had responsibility of earning my own money, like pocket money. I was, I was told, if you want something, earn it. You, you have to earn it and pay for it. So yeah. I got a job early on in the farm. I was 14, I think I started in the farm and bought pretty much everything that I wanted because I had the money to buy it. So right. I was always told, you do that and you, you get what you want. So the responsibility taking on coming into the business has been a lot because obviously I'd go and speak to suppliers and I've never been one for going and phoning people. I've always been, my, my generation, you message them. So yeah. phoning suppliers, you know, I, I'll sometimes, I still now stumble my words, yeah. but it, you know, it pushes me out of that comfort zone and Definitely. makes me go and do stuff I didn't want to do before. So it pushes me as a person. So I, to today, I think I phoned about five suppliers already this morning, just for different parts of the jobs we're doing. So if you told me to do that a year ago, I'd have been sitting there quaking, going, oh, how do I do this? But you just have to get on with it, because otherwise I'll get a kick in. So you just <laughs> get on with it and do it. So, yeah. Great. That's a great story. I mean, would you guys have any words of wisdom for people who are struggling to get family on side? So I, I, I do come across, you know, kind of investors who are just starting out and, and they you know, they struggle to get the support from family members. Have, have you got any tips on how to do that side of it? It's very much a personal situation. And the first thing to do is accept that some members of family won't get it. Okay. And they'll try and tell you that, you know, it's a disaster, what you're doing, you know, and just simply say, okay, that's fine. It's your opinion and, yeah. and leave it. Uh, and, you know, we've got a very close family that there's one, one part of them, they don't get it. So it's just not something we discuss anymore. Okay. But if you've got somebody else that's at least prepared to listen, talk to them, share with them what you're doing, 
you know, but the, the key is that, you know, you're, you're entering into this, you're getting educated at whatever level you can afford education because it, it's not cheap, make no bones about it, but whatever you can afford, take it because the more education you can get, the better a person as a property investor you'll become. Yeah. And it is key because it's not like you're going to buy, I don't know, and I know that the youngsters today, mind you, the price of some of them is crazy. They'll go and buy some of these fancy trainers and then hold them for three months and sell them and make money. Yeah. Well, but the minute you start doing that with a house, even a cheap house at 50K and 100K, it's all of a sudden it's a lot of money. So yeah. you don't want to be losing your shirt, you want, but you have to learn on a cheap deal. But accept that you need a little bit of spend to get the knowledge, to, to get you up to the curve. But then when you, when you talk to other family investors or just other members of family, just tell them what you're doing, but tell them you're not going into it blindly. You're, you're taking education, you're taking advice, you've surrounded yourself with a network of people that, that know what they're talking about and they want to help you. Right. Because if you find the right people, there's lots of people who want to try and help. Excellent. Slight change of pace with this one. What's the strangest thing that you guys have seen on a property viewing? <laughs> That was the one we had as an essay that was a repossession. We went for a viewing. Um, so it had been repossessed, but it was like the family literally just left everything they owned in the house. Okay. We filled a skip purely just on their rubbish. Wow. Never mind ripping anything out. But we went for the viewing. There was black bags everywhere, all piled at the corners. Went out to the garden, and in the garden was a full-sized tanning bed like you have in <laughs> in a studio in a tanning booth in the garden. The two halves, one was at the top of the garden, one was at the bottom of the garden. There was a suitcase full of clothes, absolutely soaked through. There was, I don't know, countless um, disposable barbecues. And there was beer bottles just scattered throughout the whole of the garden. And it was like someone had, had lived their whole life partying in the garden. Someone's had a lot of fun, yeah, by the sounds yeah, of it. it was, it was a, that was a weird one. Yeah, that was pretty weird. I'm sure being based up in Scotland, you put that tanning booth to good use, I would imagine. Yeah, it yeah. was pretty much good. Excellent. How has property changed your life? Biggest single thing for me from coming from the corporate oil and gas world that I was in was control of my time, control of my diving. Uh, if I look back when Blair was younger growing up, uh, there were certainly countless well, maybe not parents' nights, but, you know, school events, uh, sports days, things like that, that dad's not there again, dad's working, uh, dad's away, dad's not home for tea. Uh, it's given me the ability to control my diary, and if we want or need to have a day off to do something, we can do it. Uh, but also, if I need to be somewhere at 3 o'clock in an afternoon, then I'll be there at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It's, it's yeah. not life choice that it's, you know, that's what's at the moment where I'm at, it's empowered me to do that. And certainly where we are now setting goals for what is going to deliver for, for life for us, it's going to be, but that 10, 10 X, I guess would be the, the way of describing it, that the stuff that's been on the vision board, some of it's starting to, to tend towards reality now. Okay, great. What about yourself, Blair? I'd, I'd imagine you've got friends who are living a very different kind of life at the moment. Yeah. Uh, how, how are you? What, what do you get out of your involvement in property? It's just been a real eye opener to the fact that people don't always like 
want to encourage you with what you're doing because a lot of my friends think oh why are you not going to university you know why are you not coming out you know there's one of my mates he was one of my close mates he every like I was really good mates with him but then he was starting to like just oh can you come today or can you come tomorrow it's like no I'm working I, like I plan my week out my work week out and it's not Monday to Friday it's Monday to Saturday and yeah. Sunday it's never just four five or six days a week all every week I'm doing stuff and it's like I'm, mate, if you want to plan I can easily plan but I'm not going to lock, lock you out my life but I need to know that you're going to let me do my life because I want to do all this now so when i'm 30 40 i can live how i want to live it because yeah. no offense to him he's not going to be wanting to do he's, he's going to be desiring to do all the stuff that i'm doing it, it sounds a bit selfish but he's going to university and he wants to get a job and then he'll be in that job for 30 40 years nine to five and it sounds harsh but i don't want to do any of that i've yeah. never want to i've never been one to sit the desk nine to five and live how someone else wants me to live. Yeah. But for me, it's been a real eye-opener, what is possible and what I can achieve if I put my time and energy into it. So, like, this morning, we were up, I was up at seven. I was doing a lot of stuff, and by nine o'clock, I was phoning a lot of suppliers and getting a lot of stuff done early morning because in the morning, you get a lot more done than you do any other time of the day. Yeah. So, for my friends, they're all like, oh, are you coming for a pint tomorrow? I was like, no, I'm not. Because... I'm doing, I'm working, I've got property stuff to do, I'm doing refurbs. Oh, why are you doing that? It's like, well, it's going to make me a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> Long and short of it, I will make a good living off of this. So yeah. a lot of them don't right. believe what I'm doing, but there's a few of them I've just cut off completely because I don't really want that negativity because they'll just keep bringing me down and I'll think, oh, oh, I really should go and see them because, but no, they're not wanting to put the effort in to see me, why should I see them? Okay, brilliant. So what, what's the one piece of advice, guys, that you would give to somebody just starting out on their property journey? It's got to be, I don't think there's any substitute for education, but having an open mind to listen to somebody. I mean, you can go and, <clears throat> you can go and pick up, and there's so many people now, especially with, and this makes me sound really old, but with the way things are with, with podcasts that we're doing here today, and, you know, people that are doing webinars and chats and, and stuff on the internet that you can go and learn lots for free. If you put in the time and you go and follow somebody, listen to what they're sharing, you know, they're not doing it for the good of their health. Ultimately, you know, there, there's, there'll be something that they will do that's paid for, but you can learn so much for free. But your education is the only way you're going to take this from being, oh yeah, I bought a house and yeah, played about with it, to... I bought a house and I actually made some money out of it. And then I bought another house and I made a little bit more money out of it because I'd taken, because every time you do it, you're going to learn more and you're going to make mistakes. You know, we're, we're by no means perfect, but you learn from the mistakes that you've made on a small job so that when you come to a bigger job, you're not going to lose your shirt. Yeah. And, and go out there, but just believe that it's possible, but make sure that you, you go and learn. And what's next for you guys? What, what, have you got any uh, exciting projects on the horizon? Well, I would like to think that one I just viewed today, and we're going to wait to make an offer on that this afternoon. Okay. Uh, we so tell us about that one. Tell us about that one. It's a three-bed, I would say terrace, but it's not because it, it actually sticks off the back of what is a terrace. So it's a kind of a strange property, but nonetheless, three-bed house uh, in town of Scotland that we 
only found on Thursday, so it's a reposition. I seem to make a habit of them this last while. <laughs> uh, and clearly it's starting to hurt the bank because they've just taken it down on Friday. It's come down another 5K. No doubt because here we are, we're almost through October and they'll be wanting it off their debt book before the end of the year. It's been shot there for a while, so they, it's come down again. So I'll make them an offer. If we can get that over the line, there's some roof work to do to it. It'll be a strip out for some of the walls that are damp, get them dried out and sort of complete redecoration inside. And it can become a home for another family. And is that to sell on or is that to rent? No, this is going to be rent to buy. And okay. actually, another strand of rent to buy business that's, that's grown out this year is to manage rent to buy for other landlords. Because it's such a new strategy, uh, it's not something that many people have heard of or understand. But also the fact that you need to have client accounts with the bank so you're setting up because you're holding other people's money for anything up to 10 years. It's not your money, so you have to keep it separate. So there's processes to go through to set up with the bank, which we've completed. And now we've had other landlords come and say, will you do it for us? So that you know we can find a tenant buyer for them to go into their, what would have been a buy-to-let property. Uh, and as a result of having done that for others, we've got a list of people now that families that have said, can you find us a home? which is why we went shopping in the area this house is in, because we've got a lady and her children that she wants a home for them. And okay. if we can get this one over the line, then it's, it'll hopefully be a home for them. So you're sourcing to demand. Yes. So rather than you, you buy somewhere in the belief that you've done enough market research, it's the area, it's everything, and it will be desirable. And if you do it up properly, you should get a tenant, which mm. is kind of how buy let works, if we're honest. Uh, we're now doing it the other way around. And we've, We've understood the demand. We've got a list of people who've said, please find us a house. Uh, and that's what we're able to go and deliver on. Brilliant. Any top tips on how to find properties that have been repossessed? Do you have a specific strategy for that? Well, bizarrely enough, they're typically they're all available. I mean, there are, and this is something we're looking to follow up more, but they're all available on right moves, whatever you want to look. Okay. But uh, there's tips to realize whether or not, nobody will tell you it's a repossession. Yeah. Uh, they're not allowed to tell you that. But if you go and look, you'll see that uh, the, the shower or the, the bath, there's, there's tape across it, do not use. Got yeah. Okay. That's because the property has been made safe from, from a weather perspective. The water's turned off, the, heat, the electric's turned off. Yeah. Nobody's, nobody's paying the bills. And uh, you can tell that way. But there's, we're going to start to follow through. There's, there's some of the banks now, they have, you can get, if you can get through to the right department where they're, they're handling uh, repossessions that they, they need to move on. Because obviously, it's simply bad debt to them. And they're looking to recover as much, if not all, of the, the debt that's sought there. And, and they just simply want to move it on. They don't, they're, they're not in the, the business of owning houses. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're in the business of lending money. So it's, it's bad business for them to have them sat there. So they, yeah. they need rid of them. Uh, right. And yes, yeah, so we're, we're trying to do a bit more matching up with that. Excellent. Brilliant. Alex Blair, thank you so much for that. You've been absolutely fantastic. There's some real nuggets there, some real, really interesting stuff. Uh, Blair, I think I need to put you on the phone with my son, see if, uh, <laughs> see if you can give him a little bit of a rocket up the backside. But, um, but no, it's been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much, guys. That's all right. So You're very welcome. Very and yeah, hopefully it uh, enlightens somebody and 
you know, help share some, some helpful tips. Yeah. Absolutely. So if people wanted to get in touch with you or to follow what you guys are up to, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, the social media team to my left, <laughs> put us on, we'll go and put all we on. We've got Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, just Barris Property. LinkedIn, we've got Barris Trading as well, which is our new trading company, which we buy everything through for our suppliers and then we sort it out through our own companies. Um, we're both on Facebook and Instagram for personal pages. So Steady, I'm, I'm only on Facebook. <laughs> he, hasn't, he hasn't ventured Instagram just yet, but um, yeah, so Blair and Alex call it on Facebook and Barris Property on Facebook as well. And that's Barris, B-A-R-R-A-S? Yes, it is, yeah. Perfect, excellent. Guys, thank you so much. If that was your first time listening to Alex and Blair, then I know that you will have found that fascinating. And if you've been with us from the beginning, then I'm sure you will still have taken some valuable nuggets from listening again. One of the things I love about property is the number of different strategies that you can use to achieve your goals. And I think this episode really brings that to life. To become part of a like-minded community of property investors, why not head on over to the Property Wealth System community page on Facebook. Don't forget to also check out our YouTube channel for loads of hints, tips, live projects and property news. Just search Property Wealth System and hit subscribe so that you never miss an update. I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. Do you know somebody else that you think might benefit? We would love it if you'd give us a share on Instagram or Facebook and tag in anybody that you think will enjoy the content. Thanks again for listening and I will catch you on the next episode.